Agora for a special election podcast in which we'll be delving into the results of Sunday's parliamentary vote in Greece. I'm Nick Malkoutsis and I'll be on my own today. Phoebe Froniste is focusing on the production side of things so that we can get this episode out to you as quickly as possible. But we do aim to be back here together for the second elections, which are due on June the 25th or July the 2nd, for a preview of that vote. For this episode, I'll be joined by Macropolis co-founder Yanis Mozakis and our features editor, Yeria Naku. Before we hear their views, though, let me give you a recap of the results from the May 21st ballot, which was held under a system of proportional representation. This meant that the winning party or combination of parties needed more than around 45% of the vote to gain a parliamentary majority. The election was won by the ruling centre-right New Democracy with a thumping 408 which translated into 146 seats. Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis immediately said that he wasn't looking to form a coalition with anyone and would seek second elections. In second place came left-wing Syriza with just around 20% of the vote. And obviously, that's the big story in this election's series are dropping more than 10 points from its last showing and uh, around 10 points lower than the opinion poll suggested. This translated into only 71 seats for the uh, left-wing party led by Alexis Tsipras. In third place was PASOK, the centre-left party, with 11.5% and 41 seats. In fourth place, the Communist Party, with 7.2% and 26 seats. And in fifth place, Greek Solution, the ultra-nationalist right-wing party, with around 4.5% of the vote and 16 seats. It's also worth mentioning that three parties came just below the 3% threshold for electing MPs. They were... The right-wing ultra-conservative religious party Nikki, which gained 2.9%. The uh, far-left Plefsi Elefterias, or Sailing for Freedom, with 2.9%. That party is led by Zoe Costadopoulou, a former prominent Syriza official. And then we had uh, radical left Mera 25, led by the former finance minister Yanis Varoufakis, who also left Syriza to start his own political movement. They gained 2.6% of the vote. So the upshot of all this is that we're heading for second elections later this summer, where Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis hopes that his party will win an outright majority as a different electoral system will apply, one that awards the winning party a bonus of up to 50 seats. Now we've got the numbers out of the way. Let's hear the thoughts of Yanis Mozakis and Yeria Naku on Sunday's Remarkable Results.
Yaria Yanis, great to have you back in the Agora to uh, dissect and digest this election result. Uh, for the post-mortem, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> post-mortem, maybe for, for, for one side, uh, more of a celebration uh, for the other. And that, that brings me really to the first question. Was the election result a big, even huge win for new democracy and uh, Kyriakos Mitsotakis? Or was it a bigger loss for Syriza or Tsipras? Yanis, do you want to uh, have a go at this first? Yeah. Uh, well, although it's, it's, it's a little bit, you know, still early days and uh, we have to let the dust settle, uh, get some more data from the exit polls and everything. Uh, however, I don't think this is going to change the picture that this was a crushing defeat for uh, Syriza and Tsipras. I mean, it's, 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 it's beyond doubt that when you've lost close to 600,000 votes from the 2019 elections, uh, which is more than 33% of what you gained in 2019, they lost a third of the votes while they were in opposition and while they were arguing that uh, Greece has had one of the worst governments in its recent history. Uh, I think it's beyond doubt that it's a, it's a, it's a complete disaster for Syriza, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to discuss it later. Uh, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a pivotal moment in their you know, history as a party and could act as an accelerator for uh, developments that we have probably seen with PASOK during the crisis years. Your years, Yanis set out there, an undeniable disaster for Syriza and probably to a certain extent personally for Alexis Tsipras. Uh, but also, you have to say, a, a great success for the government and the prime minister. Yes, I mean, it was an utter rout. Um, but you, you, I don't think we should underestimate um, that there was a certain... Um, degree of fight on the other side required to get them to where they ended up with a 20% lead, over 20% lead. Because if you think back um, as little as a month ago, that lead in the, in the um, opinion polls had shrunk to about 3%. And there were massive demonstrations, anti-government demonstrations in the street after the Debbie accident. At the end and of February, people yeah. were really starting to talk about the possibility of some kind of progressive coalition um, managing to um, pull together a majority, even in, in, in this round of elections. So to go from that to about six and a half percent lead in the last opinion polls before the elections to pulling out a 20% lead is, you know, not, not a small feat. And also given the fact that they're the incumbents. And so, um, you know, normally you'd expect them to kind of give something up compared to the last elections. But if you look to their numbers compared to 2019, they actually gained about 150,000 votes. Um so, yeah. What what do you is there one thing that you would point to that swung the vote in favor so much in a new democracy's favor or maybe so much away from Syriza? Was it in the end that 
you know, we are in a really new period in Greece's history, the sort of post-crisis period where people want a positive story, they want stability, and new democracy tapped into that, as it had done in in the 2019 elections, to be fair, and Syriza was not not in tune with that sentiment at all, or, or, or was it something else? Um, well, I think I think there's two things. One of one of them is what you mentioned, which is a kind of a longer term. Um, it, it appears that Syriza has become disconnected from popular sentiment, um, and you know ran an almost entirely negative campaign going into the elections, which had worked for them in 2015, twice. Um, uh, But I think the events have moved on and circumstances have changed and we're no longer in the depths of the crisis. And when people have started sort of seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, um, it's hard to say we're going to bring the system crashing down without telling People giving people a pretty clear picture of what you're going to put in its place and how it's going to be an improvement over a situation where things are already starting to improve a bit. So I think that was that was one element. But I think in the final week of campaigning, the wheels really came off. They lost control of their own message. They allowed new democracy to... Dom- absolutely dominate the narrative, which is that Syriza is catastrophically inept, and not only that, but they've got a secret agenda to um, raid people through taxes and contributions to pay for their program that they have deliberately undercosted when they've presented it. So they Nedimokratia set them up for this, and they absolutely took the bait. Um, and there were a few really bad interviews given by senior Syriza figures in the last week um, where they were giving a different message from what the main party message was, talking about um, changing the contribution system, um, all, all things that really sort of matter to people and to hear that you know, there's a different message coming out from what mm. the official party manifesto was, I think, absolutely destroyed them. So, Yanis, we have stability over uncertainty, a really poor campaign on behalf of Syriza and a very effective one on behalf of uh, New Democracy, uh, and a bit of confusion about what really Syriza stood for and perhaps that, you know, the the moment for their uh, negative campaigning has passed. Would you agree with those? Would you add anything to them in terms of what swung this election? Yeah, totally. I totally agree. And it's also uh, what Georgia said, that there's the the big picture. And the big picture is that um, we discussed in the last couple of political podcasts that we did that Syriza came to power by attrition because of the heavy duty that the debt crisis has taken on the on the two leading parties at the time. And they believe that because of the, you know, that wave of disappointment and sometimes rage that worked for them in the past, that would be enough to carry them through into 2023. Well, uh, evidently this is not the case. And I, even if we argue that, you know, people don't necessarily want to hear a 
you know, a positive story, but at least they want to hear a story that's backed up by arguments and facts. And now this takes us to the campaign of Syriza, which was, for me personally was a complete disaster. From the start, there was not a, a clear direction that they wanted to go against Mitsotakis' message that was give me a majority mandate because I want to implement my program. Syriza went from the uh, what Georgia said, the progressive alliance, to potentially a, a special purpose government to investigate the surveillance scandal. And although um, many of those slip-ups and what appeared like changes in strategy were not intentional by Syriza, they were often led to discuss those topics, they should have been far better prepared not to take the bait. There's no, there's no question about it. In every single banana skin that was put in front of them, they stepped on it. And then, if you look at a little bit at the, you know, the, the, the numbers that came, we've seen some snippets from the exit polls, um, they, 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 they point that about 10% of the people decided on the day, on Sunday. Out of those 10%, New Democracy took 51%, took half of them, against 17% for Syriza. So another strong point that Syriza was arguing at the time that there's a big pool of undecided voters that we think we will convince, and when they go to vote, they will vote in favor of us. This was, this never materialized. And, and, and presumably that had to do with the really poor campaign they ran, especially in the last days of Yeah, and uh, the last week that Georgia mm-hmm. described. I mean, quite a, a good indication about the, the discussion that came up on Thursday two days before the polls opened, uh, the self-employed voted for new democracy by 54% against 17% for Syria. So, so there you're referring to the, one the of the former that They yeah. might revise the social insurance contributions for the self-employed back to 20% of income. Uh, if you look at other groups, like farmers voted in favor of new democracy for 48 by 13 and the, and the pensioners by 46 to 25. And the people that define themselves as the center of the political spectrum, they chose new democracy by 40 to 27. And then even more alarming for Syriza and Tsipras is that the, the younger groups, which they also, I mean, they had the, it was the only age group that they had the lead in the previous elections. Right. The ones that were in the 17 to 24 years bracket, the first time voters in probably in this election, they went to new democracy by 32 to 29. And even the next age group, 25 to 34, who are not only who are not first time voters, and they are potentially the younger generation of the Greek economy, going into the labor market, finishing their degree, starting their first jobs, they voted also for new democracy by 30 to 27. So this shows that every single message that Syriza attempted to deliver in this campaign, either was not clear or people didn't want to hear it because they yeah, wanted to hear something else. It, clearly an across-the-board uh, defeat. And I, I would add one other thing that fits into a number of these categories, especially the sort of stability over uncertainty, which is, for, for me, a huge strategic mistake on Syriza's behalf in that 
when it was in government in 2016, it passed the electoral law which applied for these elections, which was a system of proportional representation, raising the threshold to for a majority government to over 45%. And the whole point of passing that, apart from uh, implementing a what they describe as a fairer electoral system, and that's a whole other debate, was that it necessitates uh, coalition governments. And seven years have passed since then, and I can't really think of anything that Sousa has done in order to create the basis for a coalition, a so-called progressive coalition, coalition of the parties of the left of uh, the spectrum. And in fact, we went into the final days of the campaign, as you described, Yanis, where we were talking about coalition of the losers, coalition for with a sort of special purpose to investigate the wiretapping and so on. And and they were asking for voters to go in and vote for them to lead a coalition, but one which nobody knew uh, the consistency of, nobody knew any of the things that it would stand for or any of the policies that it would enact. I mean, it, it sounds crazy, right? Well, because... And- you know, clearly they hadn't discussed it with anyone but themselves. Well, well that, that's... And, uh, it, it also, you know, Neodemokratia was very easily able to prize the elements of a potential coalition apart by tossing mm. in hand grenades, you know, focusing on Varoufakis and his alternative coin, you know, making sure that uh, Tsipras and Andrulakis from Pasok were at each other's throats by the end of the campaign. Well, that, that's the, that's the other thing is that the, over the last few days of the campaign, the supposedly progressive coalition, Syriza, centre left, Pasok, radical left, Mera twenty five, Varoufakis, repeatedly over the last days of the campaign, we're hearing from the three leaders saying why they couldn't work with each other. So, I mean, you know, the whole concept of a coalition was completely undermined. Anyway, let, let, let's move on to uh, series uh, just to have a, a, a close look at where this leaves them uh, and whether this means the end of Alexis Tsipras, whether it possibly means the ele- end of series itself. And I would like to throw out a, a potential theory and put it in terms that Yanis might appreciate, which is that Syriza was a special purpose vehicle, uh, a, 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 a coalition of uh, small leftist groupings that uh, was happy winning around 5-6% in the elections and then was suddenly thrust into the spotlight during the crisis and became a party of power because of the anger and the frustration that the crisis generated. And the crisis has ceased to, ceased to exist, uh, or at least it ceased to exist in voters' minds. Voters seem more uh, interested in uh, positive uh, narratives, good good news uh, stories, and Syriza's purpose has ceased to exist. Um, how do you guys see that? What do you think, Yanis? Oh, I, I think that's fair. Um, and and that's why I said earlier, I... I I don't know if they have realized how critical the next four weeks can be about the future. Uh, because as things stand, Tsipras is going to a fifth successive defeat by the same person, Kriakos Mitsotakis. Mm. 
And the numbers suggest that he's led the, his party to the worst defeat of an opposition party in the Greek history. Someone said that the last time this happened was about the Enosi Kendru in 77 that lost 8% as an opposition party. Uh, that was the time that Pasok won 25 and he just went on to dominate Greek politics and the center space in, in Greece. Um, I don't think that Syriza and Cyprus can, can change enough in flight. Right. Because I don't think the four weeks... Uh, will allow them to, first of all, they cannot significantly change their message. Because if you significantly change your message, first of all, you don't have enough time to communicate. This secondly, suggests that whatever you were telling us for the last eight weeks was probably nonsense. Because that's what you should be telling us. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is that uh, they, it, it will be, again, the same people that will be going to the media, probably trying to communicate the message that failed to resonate the last eight weeks of the, you know, the previous uh, campaign. So I, I believe that they will find themselves in a situation, unless they do something spectacular in the other elections, that they will have to really define their purpose and they will find themselves without really a purpose. Uh, Yuria, do you agree Syriza's moment over? Are they heading back to becoming a party on the fringes, which I sense would probably suit some of the people still still there, but uh, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, if you talk to people in Syriza, some of them will say that they being in government is not necessarily their goal as a party. And I, I don't think that's entirely being sort of self-defeating. I think there are people in the party who... Uh, temperamentally and ideologically not suited to to being in government, but could be quite good in opposition. But I think you know, again, it's they were very much a phenomenon of the crisis, and during that time, having multiple you know mixed bag of people saying not necessarily the same thing was an advantage because it was helping them pull together voters from different audiences. But that time is is gone. I mean, Tsipras's time, you know, I don't see the solution to the Tsipras problem being more Tsipras. But they do have an issue of timing because there's going to be elections again in the next few weeks. We don't so know exactly they when. So clearly they but can't realistically change leader now. They, <laughs> yeah. As a former colleague of mine used to say, you don't change horsemen in the middle of the apocalypse. <laughs> um you know, realistically, that's not a prospect, but you also, I mean, they, they put out a statement yesterday after they had a big sort of internal meeting of the party organs to determine where they went wrong. And I have to say, there was very few elements of introspection there, um, yeah. of self-awareness. Um, you know, the one thing they cited was we got the uh, proportional representation strategy wrong. And they weren't even clear about what they meant by that. You know, mm. was it a bad idea to begin with? Or did they not did they fail to pursue it properly? Or, you know, hard to say what they mean by that. Uh, but then they went on to blame everyone else on the left for piling in on them. Um, and Tsipras said, you know, he was going to stay to fight the good fight. 
So, you know, their processes are notoriously slow and cumbersome, um, even assuming that they believe that they have a mission still and a purpose it's going to take a long time for them to get back on their feet again, in which, at which point I think, you know, events might take over. So let's have a look at it'll Pasok. It'll be interesting to see yeah. how it, uh, how it plays C- out. Certainly. And, and let's have a look at Pasok because maybe what happens with Pasok will also uh, have a significant impact on, on Syriza. Uh, for Pasok, which uh, increased its share of the vote by about three and a half uh, points uh, under new leadership uh, and is potentially eyeing second place now because the difference from Syriza is not that great. Is this their repechage or wildcard moment? Is it a chance for Pasok to stage a comeback and become a true challenger again after being close to being wiped out a few years ago? What do you reckon, Yanis? Yeah, potentially yes, because I'm pretty sure that uh, at the moment they smell blood. Uh, the series A is in. A, I mean, is on the ropes without a doubt. And uh, I, I don't think it's random that they said even on the day of the elections on Sunday that uh, Syriza was uh, and Cyprus was the golden sponsor mm. of the government. And this is something that's repeated now two days later. So uh, evidently they must have seen the movement from Syriza to them. They must have seen that Syriza is suffering in the center. They are going after the same pool of people. And this is a dogfight. So if you know that you're not going to nick votes from new democracy, then you will go after the weakest. And at the, at the moment, it's definitely Syriza and Tsipras. And probably rightly so, they will, over the next four weeks, they will present even more, in a more intense way, the, the differences between themselves and Syriza, where Syriza came short as an opposition, and why they are a, a credible alternative. And if they manage to convince people and Tsipras does not, and the gap closes, they have been arguing that they want to be an influential and responsible main opposition party, which suggests that they, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be the second party. Mm-hmm. If they have a strong enough support in, the th- in these elections and they are third, uh, you know, biting the heels of Syriza, Something I to think build they'll on. be really happy about yeah. the outcome. Uh, yet do you see the green sun of Pasok rising again? Is that where we are? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, it, it might be um, a process in several steps, but definitely, I mean, you know, one of the main sources for the advantage that uh, Pasok got in these elections for the improvement in their ratings the main um, source of that was Syriza, former Syriza voters. So I can certainly see them continuing in that direction. And um, and, and my my sense is that they drew these voters in based on being a little less negative in their campaigning, appearing a bit more competent, appearing a bit more uh, up to speed on key issues, even though the party leader, Nikos Androulakis, is not the most uh, charismatic of the pol- <laughs> party leaders that was on offer. W- would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, and I think, you know, Pasok um, 
to use one of your football analogies, I think probably ah, has a deeper bench than Syriza. <laughs> so I think even though Andrew Lakis is not himself perhaps the most, you know, um, charismatic leader, yeah. I think I think it's more of a team effort there and that's kind of visible in the way that they've presented themselves in their uh, campaign and, uh, you know, in the media. And perhaps a, a, a party that also has a more established nationwide network and a lot of experience it within its yes. ranks and governing it, experience as well, campaigning experience, yeah. And I think it also, you know, if we're talking about a sort of a general flight to safety, I think they benefit from that as well right. because, you know, they present an alternative that is not as radical as Syriza. It's more sort of uh, pragmatic perhaps. And the way they talk about things is more pragmatic, you know, about their their own aims and goals as a party, um, you know, over the next few years. Yeah, guys, and just to wrap up this election uh, special uh, podcast, is there a- anything else that stood out for you in this campaign or something that you think that we really need to keep our eye on in the weeks ahead before the next elections, whether they're on June 25th or July the 2nd? Yes. For me, the uh, although we could not expect the result on, on Sunday, I think what caught all of us by even more surprise is that there were two fringe parties that nearly made it into mm-hmm. parliament this time, although it's a parliament that's going to last a couple of days. Uh, definitely nobody saw them coming. There was a rise in the party of Nikki, which for me, I understand, is a religious beliefs-based movement. Ultra-conservative. You know, Ultra-conservative yeah. party that started showing over the last few days and by just a, a few dozen, thousand votes they didn't make again. Yeah. Yeah. And the same goes for um, the Costadopoulou, the ex-Syriza you know, series uh, you know, figure who, that also came really close into making it. And they they presented to us, assuming that also Mera Kosipede would made it in by, you know, Yanis Varoufakis, would have had a seven-party parliament, which mm. is something that not only we did not see coming in the first election, mm. I think it, it could have an interesting mm. play in the elections that are coming, because the parties that Will make will stay out of parliament will determine the threshold for the majority that yeah. Mitsotakis will need in the next elections. Well, that's certainly something that uh, we can have a a look at in a subsequent podcast. We will do a preview of the uh, second elections quickly before we go. Yuri, anything you wanted to add? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of landscape comes out of the next elections. Um, there are those two small parties. And, you know, whether they enter Parliament or don't make it could uh, play a role in setting their democratia's threshold for gaining a majority. Um, We also don't know how the sort of so-called undecided voters and maybe some of the voters who didn't appear as undecided are going to react to the surprise Mm. Mm -hmm. of the first elections. Um, you know, that could either strengthen Nea Democratia's lead, which I kind of am a bit sceptical about, but it, it could, you know, as we were discussing before, cause movements back and forth between some of the some of the smaller parties. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think it'll be interesting to see um 
and what of course, go, there? going forward, the, the biggest threat, I guess, for new democracy is complacency within the ranks among the yeah. voters and really, you know, getting the vote out in the second election. Well, we, we had said in our previous podcast that this was a slightly dull election campaign. You certainly can't say that about the results. So it's perked things up. So perhaps, you know, more, more excitement ahead. Who knows? Guys, thank you for joining me for this uh, election special podcast. As I said to listeners, uh, we will be back for a preview of the second elections in uh, a few days time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye, thank guys. Till the next thank time. you. Bye-bye.